Okay, you have a uh, handout in front of you uh, that we want to walk through and, and uh, hopefully get you uh, challenged as you move into this new year. Uh, it is called Simplify in 2018. Simplify in 2018. Uh, I listened to a, a Bill Hybels study course that was based on the book that he wrote, and the book he wrote is Simplify. And he said that in his ministry, all throughout life, he keeps hearing people say the same three statements. I'm exhausted, I'm overwhelmed, and I'm overscheduled. Can you just raise your hand if you can say yes to any of those at any time of your life? Can you see those hands up there? Yes, that is great. I'm exhausted, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overscheduled. And what happens is that we, all of us, clutter our lives so much that even if we want to do more for God or do more for others, we just don't have room in our schedule. We don't have any margins to ever do anything about this. So he became inspired to write this book called Simplify. And as he wrote it, he wrote five actions that you can take to unclutter your life. And that's what we want to look at. So if you turn it over on the back, we're going to go over the five actions to take to simplify and unclutter your life. Number one is to streamline your schedule. Streamline your schedule. Now, most people plan their schedule this way. They come up with a to-do list. They say, these are the things that I need to do. You write them on the list, and then as you go through, you check those off. And at the end of the day, you say, wow, I, uh, I was able to check these off. What Bill Hybels is suggesting is to take a little bit different approach to it. And this is the statement. Rather than ask, what do I have to get done? Ask God to show you, who do I want to become? Rather than ask, what do I have to get done? Stop and ask God to show you, who do I want to become? And then put your schedule together to become that kind of person. So this is, leaving this up for just a moment, this changes the whole way you look at just getting things done. It's not just a matter of, of going through checklists and saying, I've got to cover this base, this base, this base. Well, let's go back to the beginning and say, who do you want to become? What kind of person do you want to be in 2018? You want to get closer to God? Or you're a person who says, I want to be stronger in my marriage? Maybe you're someone that says, I want to be a, a better coworker. Maybe you just even sit there and say, I just need to be a better employee. I need to be more physically fit. You determine what type of person that you want to become. And then once you do that, you begin to take steps. Now, here's a statement that's, that you've got, which is a truth, and that is that no one drifts into becoming a different person. No one drifts into becoming a different person. Have you ever sat there and said, you know, I'd really like to be in shape, and then all of a sudden, you just nothing happened, happened. All of a sudden, you say, hey, whoa, hey, I'm just kind of working out now. It just kind of came to me, just kind of drifted in, and man, I'm in better shape than I ever thought I'd be in. Whoa, where'd this come from? You can't do that. You don't just drift into becoming a different person. So what you need to do is you need to build a schedule to allow to become that person. And the best tool for that is a calendar. Now, for some of you, especially younger people, this is a calendar. Some of you may have never seen one. Uh, it's kind of like this. It's amazing. It's got every day of the week on there, and it's broken down by months, and, and you can really organize your life by this. Some of you, if you've got a phone, you've got calendars on your phone. That is one of the greatest tools that you have, and the reason why it's such a great tool is because you can control your calendar. Whoever controls the calendar controls the life. And so if other people in your organization are controlling your calendar, they are controlling your life.
But if you control your calendar, then you are controlling your life. You say, you know, I'd like to get closer to God this year, okay? Why don't you go on your calendar and set up maybe 15, 20, 30 minutes in the morning or afternoon or evening, whatever's your best time, and say, this is going to be set aside time for me and God. I'm going to be reading God's Word. I'm going to be praying. This is it. I want to get more physically fit. You can talk about that all day. But until you come to a calendar and say, I'm going to get up early or I'm going to exercise at lunch or when I get home at night, I'm going to put this amount of time, then you get physically fit. But you just got to put it on your calendar. Don't sit there and just talk about it. You're never going to drift into this. You know, I'd like for our marriage to be stronger uh, over here. You're not going to just drift into that either. Begin to sit down and say, you know what? We're going to have date nights. And I'm going to go through my calendar. And don't just sit there and tell your wife we're going to do a date night and never put it on the calendar because it will never happen. You just go and sit down, put the calendar out and say, how about this Friday or Thursday? Or you pick a night and say, we're going to have date nights. And guess what? My business gives me vacations. Let's lay out where our vacation, where we're going to go. Put it on a calendar so we know that we've got that. Maybe there's just some uh, anniversary times. Circle those. That's really important, you know, on your calendar. But just put these things on your calendar and then let it help you to become the person that you want to be. You want to be better at your job? You say, well, maybe I'd like to read more books. Set in your calendar time to say, from this to this, I'm going to sit and I'm going to read, or I'm going to go to this particular seminar. Listen, folks, we can control this. We can control this, and you can become the person that you really want to be and the person you think that God wants you to be, and you can be transformed through the power of Christ and by giving some time in your calendar to spend time with God and in spending time with others. Live it out consistently. You'll become the person you want to be. That's number one, all right? Streamline your schedule. Number two, spend wisely and be content to live within God's provision. Spend wisely and be content to live within God's provision. So I want you to stay with me on this. This is what I feel, is that uh, whatever your salary is, this is what God's provision is for you for your life during this season. Now, I'm not telling you don't ever aspire to make more money. That's fine. I mean, that's fine. I'm just telling you that when you look at your salary right now, this is what you've got to live on, okay? And when you sit there and you're thinking, about this is what I've got to live on, I want to give you a few statements that you need to hold on to. Number one is this, live beneath that provision level so that there's some margin in your life. Live beneath that provision level so there's some margin in your life. Whatever you see is your income. You take a look at it, and then you would set your uh, living standard to go a little bit beneath that and say, okay, God, this is the provision you give me. I'm going to go a little bit beneath that, and I want to be content with where I am. In Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, the Apostle Paul, writing from prison, says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned that in whatever situation I am, to be content. And he says, listen, I've known it all. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. And in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. There'll be different seasons, and he says, I am going to be content. And I just want to tell you from a financial standpoint, when you begin to look personally where, you're, where you are financially, that when you set that, you've got that amount of money, set that standard of living just a little bit below that provision. And here's your second statement you need to hold on to, and that is do not use debt to increase your provision level. Do not use debt to increase your provision level. 
See, what happens is we get this provision, what God has provided us, and we say, but you know what? I'd really like to have a nicer car or a nicer house. I can't really afford it. But you know what? These banks out there said, they'll just give me money. This is great. And so you're going to go out there and go and just give me some money on that. And then, well, I've got a wardrobe. I can't really afford some of this, but I could really afford that if I could get some more money. I could borrow some more money. And before you know it, you begin to borrow more money and more money. And after a while, you become a slave to debt. And when you look on that list and say, okay, what, what is the person that you want to be? When you look at the person you want to be, you will never be able to accomplish that if you're a slave to debt because you're going to be spending your whole life worrying about the debt and letting that just begin to suck the life and the joy out of you. And so you need to be content to live within God's provision. And so then I'm getting ready to share something else that's probably never been shared at a business leader luncheon, and that is talking about tithing. How about that? Uh, Proverbs 3, 9, and we're not going to hand out envelopes uh, for you today over there, but not a bad idea. All right, look at uh, Proverbs 3, 9 in the book, in the Bible, book of Proverbs, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. So a biblical principle is that you need to honor the Lord with your wealth. So during that day when someone would come and they'd harvest their, their crops, they'd say, you take the first fruits, take that first 10%, and you give that to the Lord. You're to honor him with your wealth. And there was a principle during that day that if you give the first 10, then what you're saying is that I also want you to manage my other nine-tenths. So I'm giving you the first tenth to say that you're a priority, and then I want you to help me with the other nine-tenths and, and to be able to live on that. Now, uh, I would. this is why I would encourage is um, in the Bible it talks about a tithe of 10%. Now, as believers, if you've made decisions for Christ and you're serving him, whatever church or wherever you are, I would strongly encourage you. You start this new year, start out with a tithe. 10% to say what I will do is when I get the paycheck, take first 10% and, uh, and I'm going to give it, on, give it to God and I'm going to live on the other 90%. Some of you say, well, you know, I'm not a Christian. I'm not a part of a church. I would encourage you to say, I'm going to take 10% and give it to some charity. Give it to some people that are needy, something that can go into and affect other people's lives and then decide to live on that 90% and say, I want to give a part, uh, away a part of the things that I've earned. So to break it down really simple, this is the formula that, that, uh, that is my suggestion here, and I think others that are in the, um, uh, in the financial world will tell you. Your first 10% will go to God, your second 10% to go to retirement, and then you live on 80%. First 10% to God, second 10% to retirement, live on 80%. If you're not a Christian, you're not involved in any church, I would say first 10% go to some type of charity, uh, some type of need, something outside of yourself. Just say, I want to give that. And then you live on 80%. This is almost unheard of in our society because we don't live on 80%. We live on 120%. Because we always want more and more and more and more, and we're going to borrow to get that, and we're not willing to live on the, on the 80%. Now, if you do this, you're going to have so much more contentment and peace because you're not going to be swallowed up in debt. You're going to have your money going in the right direction, and then you get to practice on what it's like to live on that 80%. It removes the clutter of worrying about debt, trying to live above your means, and trying to keep up with the Joneses, Okay. And in case you didn't know, the Joneses just foreclosed on their house. So, uh, so, so you just don't want you just want to keep that in mind that this could be exhausting trying to keep up with everyone else. And uh, this is, allows you to focus on what is most important in the world. Now, I'll just give you one other little tidbit over here. If as a believer, if you sit there and say, "God, I'm going to trust you with the ten percent," 
and I'm going to give you the 10%, and then I'm going to try to, to live uh, on the rest and just trust you. What God will do is he will honor that and, uh, and will cause, I think, some things to happen in your life that you'll look back over and say, I don't understand how that happened except that God did it. Uh, this is not um, uh, this is not a, a, a health and wealth gospel. I'm not telling you that, that you give so that God can give you back to you. I'm just saying that when you give to him, he honors that. And, uh, and he honors it in such a way that he will then bless you in different ways. It may not be financial. It may be something else. But, uh, but he will honor the fact that you have said, Lord, I honor you. And I want to give of that first 10%. And what it does from a financial standpoint is begin to get you to just take a, a, a little bit of breather of the worry of all the debt and, and trying to keep up with all the Joneses, okay? All right. Uh, number three, survey your job satisfaction. Survey your job satisfaction. And so this is so good. Many of you are sitting around the table with people that work with you. <laughs> so you get to survey your job satisfaction. I've got the bad news. Some of your bosses are sitting here, and they've already given me the survey. And... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and uh, man, I can't wait. It's going to be a great experience for you. There's, uh, I think God's got something for you. Not this job, but something else uh, that uh, God's uh, got. Now, this is what every person needs to do, and I think it's really great. I love what Bill says in this book is, okay, take a job satisfaction uh, survey. How, how satisfied am I? And you look at four things. Number one, your passion alignment. Every job has got four alignments, passion alignment. God instills a passion in each one of us, and if that passion is followed, it leads us down a vocational path that gives us a lot of joy in our working years. What The job that you're in, do you really have a passion for that? Is that something that is close to your heart that you love to do, that you jump out of the bed and you say, man, I can't believe I get to do this. Every day I get to do this. And you sit here and you feel great about your job on there, okay? Some of you I've already lost. All right, but, but you, just, you just start right there, and you got to align where that passion is, okay? So you got passion alignment, number one. Number two is culture alignment, culture alignment. Every workplace has a culture, and you fit better in certain cultures. There are some cultures that are more laid back, and that's what you like. I like the laid back. Other cultures are a little bit more intense. And some of you say, I like the intense. I want it to be intense. I want to be challenged. I want to be moving fast on there. I like that intense. Other people, it's more of a laid back kind of personal culture. Others, hey, I don't care about who's around me. Let's just get after the goals and get after it. Different businesses have different cultures. So you've got to find out, is this the culture that I fit in? Number three is challenge alignment. The challenge alignment. You fall into three areas of challenge alignment. One is under-challenged. You're in a job, it's not really a challenge. You go to work, but you don't ever feel really pushed on it. Second is appropriately challenged. Appropriately challenged. It's a good level. You know, I get the work done, I get home, I sleep at night, I get up the next day, I get after, get a good day's work, sleep good. Third is overly challenged. That is no matter how hard you work. The inbox is fuller, the to-do list is longer, and you can't sleep at night. Just a word of warning. You can't stay at this level very long because if you're constantly in something that's over-challenged like that, it's just going to wear you out and wear you down. If you're an under-challenge, your skills get atrophied, and oftentimes uh, you just kind of lose out the skills that you had. 
So where do you need to be? It's interesting in his book, he said the best place to be is at the top of the list where you're appropriately challenged and then kind of at the bottom of the list of overly challenged. So you're somewhere in, in between in there. But you need to figure out where am I in the challenge. And then last of all is pay alignment, the pay alignment. Are you getting a fair amount of pay for the work that you're doing? Are your needs being met? And that's where we want you to sit around your tables and talk about this. And uh, <laughs> so how do you feel about your pay? You feel like you're getting enough uh, right now uh, over here? But, but you've got to figure out, okay, we've got needs. We've got kids. We've got this. We've got that. We may have a health situation, whatever it is. This is, this is what our financial needs are. And, uh, and, and am I, uh, and is the payment reaching that? So now when you look at that, you just have to make some different decisions. And it was pretty interesting when, uh, when you looked here, you said, well, what if, what if I'm in a, in a, uh, high passion alignment, but it doesn't pay very much, but I'm loving what I'm doing, but it just doesn't pay much. Well, you might want to think about getting a second job. Do something else to get some more income because you're so connected to your passion line. You don't want to give that up, but you really do need some more uh, income. So maybe you can find a second job. Do something else that can bring in some more money so you continue with that. You say, well, what if it's, if it's just sort of the, the, we flipped it around, and that is the pay is really good, but it's not really hitting my passion. Stick with it. Yeah. So you look at that. <laughs> so, so, whoa, we got a witness, a word of witness over here. Stay with that. The passion will come. No. <laughs> the pay alignment, but let's say that it's not really your passion. Then here's something I would encourage you to do is volunteer for something off work hours that fits within your passion. And that way you can say, like, for instance, people say, I really love to coach people or whatever, and I love to coach sports or whatever, but, you know, I, I, that's not my job, but I, I've got another job, but my passion is really doing that. Well, then volunteer. Go volunteer and help coach some teams and, and, and work with some, uh, some uh, athletic areas. This is, this is some things you can do. But what's so great about this is that we're asking you to just step back and survey your job situation. And when you do that, it'll help you to become that person you want to be. So when you identify the person that you want to be and say, this is the person I want to be, then I began to take my calendar out, my schedule out, and began to uh, put the things in there that will help me become that particular person. I I'll begin to get a handle on my finances and to say, listen, we've got to cut some things out. We don't, we don't need to be stretched in our, in our debt. And then let me see where I am job-wise. You know, where am I uh, job-wise on that? And I worked uh, for AT&T for eight and a half years. And it, during that time, I had different jobs that I went through, whether it be an account executive or a data system specialist or teaching in the, um, uh, in the learning center or then being a sales manager, all those different ones. And certain ones that were enjoyable and certain ones were not. And especially when I was a data systems specialist guy, um, it was not only did it not meet my passion alignment, uh, and the challenge alignment was way beyond me because I'm just not smart. Uh, and so I didn't understand all the stuff. And I'm sitting out there telling customers, and they're asking me questions, and I'm going, I don't really know. Uh, but uh, <laughs> this is what we're supposed to say. How does that look? And so it was a real frustrating year and a half. And, but yet I still felt confident that God called me to be an actor. A company, and then all of a sudden, uh, when they come up, they give you an opportunity, say, hey, would you like to, to teach um, uh, sales strategies in the uh, corporate training center for the five states? Yeah, <laughs> I love that. And they paid me. It was my passion alignment. It was great. 
And so just kind of go through that, okay? See if you can work that out. All right, here's number four. Number four is strengthen your relationships, and that means friendships and forgiveness. Relation, strengthen your relationships, friendships, and forgiveness. So whenever you're wanting to strengthen relationships, you got to look at both your friends and then also look at this issue of forgiveness. Proverbs 18.24. Proverbs 18.24 says, There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. There are those friends that destroy, they're called friends that destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. So as you're trying to simplify 2018, let me give you some things about friendships here. Number one, trade in your destructive relationships for truly godly friendships. Trade in destructive relationships for true godly friendships. In essence, you might need to prune some of your friendships. And this is just where you got to get to a real honest conversation <laughs> with yourself and there are people in your life that really just pull you down. They're narcissistic. All they care about is themselves. And every time you're around them, it just seems to suck the life out of you. Now, I know they're sitting at your table right now. And, uh, <laughs> and I've already seen three of you going <laughs> on that. And, that. and that is fine. If you won the tickets to Power Lunch, don't invite them, okay? This, you find another friend. But, you, but we're honest. We know this. There are people, right? There are people, and they just kind of drain the life out of us. And, and we just keep feeling like that, that we keep, uh, keep getting connected with that friendship. And what it does, it just makes me feel worse about myself, and it's just draining of my time. And so what if you thought about trading that for some godly friendships to find some people that that you can invest in and that they want to invest in you and that uh, and it's kind of an iron sharpening iron. You're, you're best for each other on that and not waste all this time with someone who's always bringing me down over there. Now, there's a difference in building friendships and having acquaintances. There are people that as a Christian, we're to share our faith with others and some of these people that drag us down are people that maybe they don't know Christ. I'm not telling you to completely write them off and never talk to them. I'm just saying when you look at the depth of that friendship, that I would invest more time in finding a godly friendship uh, on there. Number two is this. Take a friendship to a deeper level by self-disclosure. Take a friendship to a deeper level by self-disclosure. What I mean by that is taking off the mask and just getting deeper in a relationship. We call it at our church what's called a 2 a.m. friend. It's developing a friendship of someone that if something happened in your life at 2 a.m., in fact, the illustration we give is that uh, if you were arrested uh, and you are in jail and it was 2 a.m. and they said, you've got one phone call, who would you call? And who would be the person that would call that you would call there? they go, what are you getting me out of bed for? I don't want to talk to you. And it would be the person that you would call that they wouldn't ask questions. They wouldn't be judgmental. They just said, I'll be down there. That's it. And then once they get down there, then you begin to have those conversations and talk, and let's see if we can walk through this. But who would be that person that kind of when the ox is in the ditch, i got to call somebody, who would that be? Take a friendship to a deeper level by self-disclosure. That means you kind of have to do a little bit of a step out with a friend and begin to just talk about more than just maybe sports or work uh, and uh, talk about the things that you worry about, the things you're thinking about, maybe even the things that you struggle, and... Um, and see if you can build that, that deeper relationship. And then third of all is let go of resentment and revenge 
by forgiving as Christ does. Let go of resentment and revenge by forgiving as Christ does. Let go of those things. Uh, Todd Lafferty, who was up here, gave a devotion at our staff meeting. He talked about how you leave some of your baggage as you move into 2018. And this would be some of the baggage, some resentment of people that have hurt you maybe last year or even other years, and it's just been building. And so let go of the resentment and the revenge by forgiving. In Colossians 3.13, Paul says that we, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must forgive. The great thing about the good news of the gospel is that God offers us a plan of salvation, that God knows that we're sinners, that separates us from him. And what God has done is he's offered us forgiveness. His son Jesus came and died on a cross and was raised from the dead, and he paid the penalty for our sins. And it says if we receive Christ, then God forgives us of our sins and brings us into a right relationship with him. And even as you read through the New Testament and see how Jesus was forgiving others, and even at the cross as he was being crucified, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He's extending that forgiveness. We are to do the same thing and extend that forgiveness to others. And I know there's different categories of offenses, and some are very hurtful and others are pretty minor. But in each of those, work towards forgiveness to stay away from revenge and overcome the resentment. And the last thing is this, and that is surrender fully to God. Surrender fully to God. Uh, if you're wanting to uh, get your life to where you want to be the person that you feel God's created you to be, then surrender fully to God. Psalm 119, verse 105 says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, that's the Bible. And he says, if you'll take God's word and use it to be your guide, fully submit yourself to God and take each step in his word. Maybe have a life verse. You know, a lot of people come up with a life verse, or maybe they have a certain verse, or maybe you want to memorize a certain passage of Scripture, or, or think about the things that are your biggest struggle, and then take a verse out of the Bible and say, I want to commit that to memory, and it's going to be in my heart. And so when this particular temptation or when this person gets me upset or when I'm thinking about not forgiving this person, I'll take this particular verse and just keep it in my heart and in my mind and help me to live out this life. And so the last sentence you've got there is let God's word shape the values that you uphold, the decisions that you make, and the commitments that you make and keep. So let God's word shape the values you uphold, the decisions that you make, and then the commitments that you make and keep. And if you do this, you remove the clutter so you can live in freedom and you can focus on the things that really matter. You remove the clutter and you choose God's way at the critical intersection of your life and that will put you on the way to a transformed life and it will help you, hopefully, to have the best 2018 that you could possibly have. And that's my hope and prayer for y'all. So thank you again for coming and for being a part of, uh, of our Power Lunch. Uh, we're going to be back in February, but it's going to be the second week. We, I know we tried to do the first week. We couldn't do it this time, and we won't do it in February. February 13th, we'll send out the emails to you, and uh, we hope that you'll be here and just have a great time. Thank you all for coming. Bring a friend. Have a great one.